you know what, if, um, if women's rights is being ambitious, then yeah, I'm ambitious and I'm proud of it. I decided that I don't want to be quiet anymore, that I, I want my daughter to hear this story and use it as a motivation and a reminder of the work that needs to be done and that she can be the change that she wants to see. So I decided to press charges and I hired the Time's Up campaign um, to represent me. Healing is meant to be done with community um, and, with, and with other people. And there's no other feeling like not being alone when you're in a system that's designed to isolate you. Welcome to the Mother Honestly podcast. This is your host, Blessing Adeshio, founder and CEO of Mother Honestly. On this show, we interview ambitious women that are thriving in and beyond motherhood. Expect honest and real conversations that will encourage and inspire you to take actions on your dreams. Hello, good afternoon. My name is Kristen Hall. I am your host for this week's episode of the Mother Honestly podcast. I am the COO of Mother Honestly, and joining me today is Adrian Wright, the CEO of Rosie, which is a storytelling agency for nonprofits and early stage startups. Adrian, thank you so much for joining us. It's what I'm so excited to have you, and I can't wait to hear all about what you've been up to. So, if you wouldn't mind, kick it off. Tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and what Rosie is all about. Yeah, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to um, to be here. Um, yeah, so I I live in Brooklyn and I've been living in New York City since uh, since college, so a very long time. And I'm the founder of Rosie, which is a storytelling agency for nonprofits, people, and brands doing good in the world. And I'm also the co-founder of I Will Not Be Quiet which is a community group that brings women together in intimate talking circles to learn and discuss policies and um, take action and um, and find joy in doing it. Um, at a very young age, I was just obsessed with the question of how do you help people? And my father was a social activist um, who actually came to New York City from the Philippines on political asylum. Wow. So I learned, yeah, I learned at a very young age, just, um, you know, to lift yourself up, you have to lift others up as well. And over the course of working at some really high profile companies, I always wanted to know what we were doing to help people inside and outside of our community, um, our employees and our customer base. Um, and working in corporate America and in the startup space, uh, you know, you get you get a good dose of people's personalities Absolutely. and office drama and politics. Uh, but what I kept running up against, um, Kristen, was that um, women, especially women of color, fared worst. And no matter how far I got in my career, if I ever spoke up, I was looked at as angry. And I actually wasn't very angry. I was just, you know, asking a question about you know, uh, people on my team and why certain people were getting paid more, um, you know, why certain women were getting paid more than certain men and, and so forth. And I, and I realized that anger was just this box that women of color like me were being put into so that it would discredit anything that you were really saying. 
and essentially having your voice ignored. It was just this old scapegoat idea. Mm. And it was something that I, I always struggled with. Um, how do you, how do you dress the part, play the part for the role that, you know, you deserve. So, um, I was working at a company, um, that didn't have a solid maternity leave policy. And, um, I think, and when I say did not have a solid maternity leave policy, I mean, you know, four weeks. <laughs> so, wow. um, and it was, it was a pretty mature startup. And, um, I think for some people, they may have looked at it and said like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I'm leaving and going to find another opportunity. Um, but for me, I was like, this is a great opportunity to build a policy and this is going to be wonderful. Are you with me? And they were with me, which was really great at the time until I found out that they weren't. Um, and as I was trying to form this policy, the more pushback that I got, the bigger that I got in showing my pregnancy. And it just became even more difficult for me to go out looking for jobs. Um, yeah, it's a challenging. You know, say, yeah, as soon as I see your belly, it's like, oh, are you gonna be taking maternity leave soon? Like, are you the right fit? Um, so it, it, it was really, it was tough, Kristen. And so, um, but regardless, I was still very eager and focused on what I needed to do. And um, as I was trying to develop a policy, I kept being called, you know, ambitious and <laughs> I think as a woman, it's like, it's like, it's almost like ambitious is like a bad word. Um, you know, especially at that time, like, oh, you're ambitious. Like you're, you're, um, it's a double-edged sword. It's, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and it's like, you know what, if, um, if women's rights is being ambitious and yeah, I'm ambitious and I'm proud of it, you know? Um, so I had this really terrible fall while I was pregnant working at this company, I was really trying so hard to prove that I could still do my work. Um, projects were being taken away from me and and projects that I had, that were my baby, I had worked so hard on it. And um, I just was feeling such different treatment and I kept trying to like prove myself, like, I can do this. You know, I'm, it was this, this mom penalty, right? Yeah. And so I was coming back from a work trip. I was six months pregnant and I was so exhausted. And I was so dehydrated that I fell on the steps of our brownstone apartment right on my belly. And Oof. I was by myself um, bleeding. Oh my gosh. Did not know what to do. And the, the hospital, I chose like the furthest hospital from our home <laughs> to, um, to have my daughter and I went through this really rocky road of 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 almost delivering of thank goodness um for great medicine and great doctors that they were able to stop it but it was incredibly traumatizing oh absolutely um and I had went on bed rest for about five weeks and uh, every single day I would mark down on my calendar, my dry erase board next to my bed of like the days that were passing by that was getting closer to full term and trying to say optimism, optimist while, uh, optimistic while I was, uh, still working 60 hours a week from my bed. 
So um, through all of this, um, I ended up having my daughter nine weeks early and her name is Lily. And now she's a very spunky, uh, bossy, <laughs> um, uh, two and a half year old. And um, I uh, ended up get delivering and she was in the NICU for about six weeks. Uh, but through this time of being in the NICU, I was still working on my laptop. Um, trying to plug away, trying to respond to the, what's the status of this emails? Um, and uh, how are you? Oh, okay, great. Like, what's the status of that, <laughs> that this other thing? And it, it was, it was awful. It was incredibly awful. Oh, yeah, um, you're adjusting to, you know, one of the larger changes in your life, because I'm, is Lily was your first child? Yeah. Yeah, so you're in your first, first pregnancy, child. you're delivering your first child, and you're dealing with you know, company that's not willing to necessarily bend to support. So what happened? How did that change? Or I know as you continue in the story, so you're answering these emails from the NICU. You're still being, it sounds like a great engaged employee. <laughs> it's, it's a scared employee is what that is. Of, um, feeling like I needed to do this and not knowing what my other options were. And so when I started displaying moments where like, you know, I would have to step away and breastfeed um, or, you know, I remember the first time I was able to hold my daughter um, two weeks after I had her, um, these moments of time where I was away, uh, which in their mind um, was me being disengaged, quote unquote, um, that um, they, they laid me off. And so they didn't need a head of communications oh. more. And so um, this was pretty early on in the Time's Up campaign. And I had talked to a number of different lawyers. Um, most of them were um, white males and um, older males that were like, you know, we've done this before, you know, um, you don't have a chance. Like we can argue the severance letter for you. And, and I was like, okay, thinking that that was my only shot. But then I spoke to a woman, um, which I don't know why I, uh, that wasn't my first inclination as someone to represent me but i spoke to a woman that was part of the times up campaign a lawyer and she told me like look you are the 85th person i've spoken to this year who has gone through this um both men and uh, both women and men and you know um you have a shot here to speak up and step up the question is do you want to and um you know, there are a lot of reasons why I, I, I had doubts at that time of just money and sure. insurance and, and so many things. Um, and I was privileged to have a partner who could, you know, support us uh, in the time being in this kind of state of emergency. But um, I looked at, you know, there's something that happens when you become a mother, you know, um, there's this reckoning that you have with yourself. And I decided that I don't want to be quiet anymore, that I, I want my daughter to hear this story and use it as a motivation and a reminder of the work that needs to be done and that she can be the change that she wants to see. So I decided to press charges and I hired the Time's Up campaign um, to represent me. And um, while I can't speak to everything, you know, that had happened sure. um, at, at that time. But um, I, I think a lot about 
you know, the future that I want and and build and want to build. And um, this really kind of comes down to that. Um, there's a quote out there that's like, think of our ancestors who had to face so much more with so much less. And um, and that is that is ultimately what I want to build for my daughter and for the generations to come using this example of this terrible thing that had happened to me as a, a motivation um, to continue to to build the world that I want to see. So um, at that moment of time, after the case had settled and everything like that, um, while I was glad that it was over with and I was glad that I had won the case, there's so much to be said about the emotional turmoil that happens. Um, this feeling that you like don't have the confidence or the self-worth. Um, but you know, looking to my daughter and what I wanted to accomplish, um, it was really just like a moment in time where I was like, okay, enough is enough. And um, we need to exercise more like a, we shall overcome with these things to um, to motivate ourselves to, to take action. And so that ultimately um, translated to building up a career that is grounded in activism and social impact work, um, which is Rosie. Wow, it's a it's a fascinating story. It's a troubling story on many on many levels, and I'm sure we'll we'll get into that a bit more. Thank you for sharing that story with us and coming on to tell people, you know, what your experience has taught you, where you're taking, and what that's meant for the development of Rosie. Um, and I'm sure, you know, I are you still kind of would you consider kind of the emotional trauma is still something that you you deal with even now or is it something that has kind of over time gotten a little bit better i think that you're never able to really shut it off you're able to manage it that's so and it's it's a big step to realize that trauma is not something that just goes away and so you know despite the wonderful thing of launching my own company, um, there was a lot of work and, and work that I continue need to, to, to continue to do um, in therapy and in seeking community, um, trying, you know, just journaling and, and continuing to remind myself of the power of my voice. And for me, what has brought me great um, solace during this time is, is community and reaching out to other people who um, are experiencing this um, and helping them recognize their power and helping the world see that power. So um, that is that is really what what drives me. But I think that in the beginning, you know, you're you're very much in survivor mode when yeah. when you have a child, and especially when you get laid off. There's there's so many other things that you're thinking about outside of your own um, recovery from labor, um, and so um, making sure that you're creating space. Um, for that healing. Healing is not, it does not need to be individualistic, despite how many self-help books um, there are and how many online articles there are. um, Healing is meant to be done with community um, and and with other people. And there's no other feeling like not being alone when you're in a system that's designed to isolate you. So I very much encourage everybody, no matter what you're going through, is um, to to find power in your voice with other people that can lift you up. 
I love that. I'm writing that down as you're speaking it because it resonates so much with me, and I'm sure it resonates mm-hmm. with a lot of our listeners as well. So from your experience and what you've seen with the work that you're doing currently, you know, what do you think women can do if they run into the same situation that you encountered or within the same vein, you know, related to either prior to maternity yeah. leave or during? Yeah, you know, um, before you go down the lawyer route, I think it's it's good to take a step back and collect yourself. So, you know, I talk about community quite a bit. I think the first thing that you can do is talk to other people about it. Um, You know, I've seen, you know, just even my Facebook mom groups of people anonymously posting, um, you know, situations like this and the amount of the outpouring support is just immense. Um, The problem is there and people are searching for for that community. Um, So find, find those people find moments of radical empathy where you can create the space to listen deeply with other people and have this very profound presence with another human being and find strength in their stories. The more that you hear what's going on um, and the more that you relate to other people, the more you realize that you're not alone. And the more that you realize that you are not crazy that you went through this and you're not crazy about um, anything that you're thinking about with this specific trauma, there's a really, really great quote from Amber Tamblin. Um, she had closed out this New York Times op-ed um, right before the Me Too movement that, um, that reads, the more that we open our mouths, the more we become a choir, and the more we are a choir, the more the tune is forced to change. Hmm. So there is such great power when we are able to come together um, to sing the same song. And I think the second thing that I would also greatly recommend is practice positive self-talk. Um, this is a lot for women to go through. Yes. Um, there's so many factors in play uh, and not everyone um, has the, the privilege to be able to even have access to go talk to a lawyer or access to, um, to plug into Facebook and find community. Um, you have to practice that positive self-talk um, as opposed to like a, um, did I do this correctly? Should I have done this? Was that the right thing? Don't second guess yourselves. We do ourselves a disservice by acting like it's not possible. Um, we live in a world where we make them possible possible. And it's important to have that I will come over mentality or rather the we will overcome mentality. The more that you say, I want to do this, I will do this, um, the more you can um, and you will succeed. I think the third point of it is talk to a lot of lawyers. Um, five is not enough, <laughs> you know, um, spread, spread it out and reach out to a number of different people. There are many, many law firms that offer free counseling um, that you can go to and just get a sense of whether this is the right person to represent you, if this is the right type of advice that you should be getting, what has been helpful, uh, what had been helpful for me in the past was um, talking to a nonprofit called A Better Balance. And so they are a nonprofit of lawyers who can really just give you a black and white situation of what your rights are. That's, I feel like the easiest way to go about it is just like, well, just tell me if I'm, this is right or wrong. Um, and then we can go from there and I can figure out what I want to do. Um, get it, get the facts straight without the opinion and then you can decide. And so I would greatly recommend reaching out to that nonprofit, have a number of conversations and free consultations um, with, even if it has to take to 10 to 15 lawyers, um, it's worth it. 
um, to know you know, where you stand and everybody has a different opinion and every lawyer has a different history of who they've represented and their success rates. Um, and that, you know, greatly, um, that greatly informs the opinion that they have on how they can counsel you with, with your case. So no. those are the, the top three things I would say. And I think that's amazing. I think you, I liked one, just how you kind of approached it from, you know, I think everyone's initial thought is, well, I need to go get a lawyer. And I like that you talk about that the power of having multiple points of perspective, but I mm -hmm. loved more so that a lot of the times, and I think sometimes this is, we see it a lot with new moms and moms are that, we get so down on ourselves and we think we're the only ones going mm -hmm. through this and we're alone and it's isolating. So the finding the community and practicing that positive self-talk, I think for you know women in general, this is something we really, really struggle with overall, even if you're not in this situation. So I, I really like those th three items that you kind of have provided for people that are you know, dealing with that situation, but also, you know, just a reminder, the first two are just very cognizant and, uh, and relevant to moms on a daily basis. So thank you for providing that kind of background. Um, yeah. You know, Kristen, I feel like we often forget that women have always supported each other. When you think about generations and generations ago, centuries ago, um, it was the norm for, for women to come together in groups and heal together and, you know, and, and exchange stories and absorb what they've learned. And somehow, somehow we have, we had forgotten what that looked like. Yeah. Um, and it isn't until maybe within the past two years, maybe the past three years or so, um, I think definitely since the 2016 election that women have come together and we've we've we're reminded of the beautiful power and magic that happens um that we are the greater than the sum of our parts you know so um i think that's that was always a good reminder for me is saying like that this um this has always been um uh uh these talking circles have always happened since the the beginning of time and that there is great beauty in it and there are uh, great things that do happen from it and so seek that and find solace in it no that's great and i love the talking circles and you mentioned that's a little bit of what you're doing um in both the the storytelling agency as well as the activism group that you're a part of so mm -hmm. for you you know what is rosie doing today as well as i will not be quiet and where do you hope to take either of those or together collectively yeah so rosie is powering the voices of people and brands doing good in the world. Um, we focus on the story and helping identify the ways that we can get people talking about it through PR, through social media, influencer and community building. Um, there's such a need for for these types of, of stories, um, the stories of, of people who are doing great change on the ground. And I think that as chaotic as, you know, the news can be, um, or our, you know, country can be has this moment. It's also profoundly beautiful and hopeful, um, and I think those two are competing instincts that live in most people. And so, Rosie really helps tell the stories of love and perseverance um, to shine light on the work that we need to continue to do. Um, and I do think that it is this empathy that inspires other people to ultimately join in and realize that they want to be 
you know, the hero than, than the villain. Um, so Rosie has um, a number of clients under its belt. We work with the Time's Up campaign. We work with She Should Run. We work with early stage startups like Kalugo, um, all different companies and organizations, but all very focused on how they can create and, and advocate for a solution that makes our world um, a better that gently shakes it. So um, Rosie is um, continuing to, to bring it on. Uh, I think with I Will Not Be Quiet, and um, we just celebrated our three-year anniversary party, and um, we are going to be continuing to, to activate. So as I mentioned, we meet every single month. We bring women together in intimate talking circles to learn about the issue that's on the table and understand how they can be the change that they want to see while seeking joy and um, and feeling the exuberance of, of having power in your voice and being able to use it. And I think that a lot of people, uh, not, you know, not uh, exclusive to women, um, there's a lot of things that are happening right now and it's yeah. hard to know everything that is going on. And we often don't create space to learn about it outside of what we absorb on, you know, in the news um, and the biases that are around it, um, around race and gender. And we don't often talk to our neighbor and our communities and get perspective from other people. So we bring in experts to talk about the policy and then we talk about it as a group. Um, so we have done this every single month since the 2016 election. That's amazing. And we'll be continuing to double down actually this year with more activations, more conversations and more gatherings um, and help kind of breed activism and the work that um, that we do on a daily basis, that democracy is not something that we, um, it's, it's not uh, something that's just in the history books and something that we learn at a young age. It's something that we do and it's a privilege and it's a responsibility to do that um, if not for ourselves, but for the generations to come. Absolutely. And how can people get involved with these? You mentioned you do a month and you're doing more activations here in 2020. You know, how best for people that are listening that are like, this resonates with me so much. I, I want to be a part of this. I want to learn more. Yeah. So for I Will Not Be Quiet, the best way to get involved is to plug into Instagram. So if you follow us at I Will Not Be Quiet, we post all of our events there and um, and all of our gatherings. Um, one thing that we are going to launch um, toward the end of this month is a toolkit that empowers other people outside of New York City to have their own talking circles, not only I will not be quiet. Um, and so that's something that we're really excited about that will be um, on our Instagram. If you don't live in the New York City area, um, you can take this toolkit and, um, and create these in your own living rooms. Um, for Rosie, uh, the best way to, to get plugged in with Rosie, you can follow us on Instagram at think-rosie um, or um, on online, which is www.think-rosie.com. Adrian, I love this so much. You've given our readers so much, listeners rather, and hopefully readers, because they're going to go out and read more about what you're up mm -hmm. to. Um, I will look forward specifically for that toolkit, because I think that's something that I love the activism that you're doing. I love these, this idea that you brought to the community and reconnecting. So I will be one of your first ones when that toolkit goes out. Oh, to have I'm something <laughs> from Detroit. And I know hopefully Blessing will do one as well from Houston. But this, what you're doing is very, very important, especially, you know, it is an election year. There's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And we've seen a lot of radical change in the last two to three years. So thank you so, so much for sharing your story with us. I 
Um, I'm blown away by what you've been through, what you're doing, and where you're going. And I wish you nothing but the best as you continue to move these forward. I look forward to seeing you in New York when we're there, hopefully in Brooklyn, barring everything going well in the current society with our state of affairs in the Mm -hmm. fall for October 1st and 2nd for Mother Honestly the Summit. So we will be um, so excited to see what you're up to coming up a little bit more. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Talk soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You too. tuning in to the Mother Honestly podcast. If you want more of what we're talking about, head to motherhonestly.com for relevant content for mothers at work, in business, and those figuring out their next steps. Mother the Summit 2020 will be here before you know it. Save the date in your calendar for October 1st and 2nd at the Brooklyn Expo Center, New York, where 1,000 plus women will rise together in motherhood. I'm asking you for a favor. Please rate and review our podcast. Your reviews help us grow, and we love growing here at Mother Honestly. Bye for now. See you next week.